bless you. Thanks, God bless you. Thank you so much. Hey, while you're standing, let's give Jesus a hand clap of praise. Can we in the house? Let's give the Lord Jesus Christ a hand clap of praise today. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Wow, what a privileged opportunity it is to be here at Grand Rapids First. I want to say thank you. Thank you for being a healthy local church that's having a global impact. Uh, Grand Rapids First literally is having an impact on the world. Not just this region through City Serve and the ministries of this church, but your commitment to global activity and missions is, is really incredible. Really incredible. And as I told the leadership team yesterday, you know, great churches aren't built accidentally. <laughs> It takes, first of all, it takes, first of all, the favor and the blessing of the Lord. How many of you know the favor and the blessing of the Lord has been on Grand Rapids first? It also takes people like you that understand the church isn't just some religious fraternity that meets on a weekly basis to fulfill some spiritual obligation, but we really are the body of Christ that God is using to expand his kingdom here on earth. And so I want to thank you for not just being a, a religious club, not just being some ecclesiastical body, but truly understanding you are the body of Christ, the primary instrument that God is using to expand his kingdom. And the other thing that it takes for great churches is called and capable leadership. Leadership that places a high priority on the anointing and creativity. And can I tell you, within all of the assemblies of God worldwide, when it comes to called and capable leadership, you have the absolute best sitting right down there in Pastor Brenda and Pastor Sam. And I just want to bless them in the name of the Lord. I want to affirm them in the name of the Lord. Thank you, thank you both for not saying yes one time, but continually saying yes to the call of God. Continue saying yes to the dreams and the visions that the Lord is depositing in your heart. And uh, the worldwide church of God is blessed because of the two of you. And it's an honor to be able to share in your pulpit today. Well, I want to bring a message this morning I really feel strong in my heart to share today on just awareness of God's presence, living with an awareness of the presence of God. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever been in a hurry when God wasn't? Have you ever gone through a situation unexpectedly and wondered, where's God? Or have you ever cried out to God and wondered, does he even hear me? Or perhaps you've felt like Jacob. Genesis 28 says this, Jacob woke, awoke from his sleep and he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. Perhaps you've seen this picture some... In, maybe even on this campus or in a work building, but it's a uh, in case of an emergency 
glass case. Painted usually bright red, it stands out from the surroundings. It's designated to grab your attention. Maybe it's a access to an AED machine or to pull a fire alarm, to get a fire hose. You know, when life is normal, we have a tendency to forget that they're there. But boy, when the hallway fills up with smoke, the indicators become really, really important. And I would just say the same is true regarding the presence of God. I got to tell you, it's mind-boggling to me to know that God never has to go anywhere to be there because he's already there. It's called omnipresence. It's a proverbial truth. But sometimes we can take it for granted. Sometimes we don't think about it until we're in the middle of a crisis. Omnipresence, being present everywhere at the same time. Can I tell you, that's not just a theological attribute of God. That's a reality that will sustain you in your Christian walk. The fact that God is always present. It's exactly, it's exactly what David meant when he said in Psalm 139, where could I go to escape from your spirit or from your sight? If I were to climb up to the highest heavens, you would be there. If I were to dig down to the world of the dead, you would also be there. Suppose I had wings like the dawning day and flew across the ocean. Even then your powerful arm would guide and protect me. Grand Rapids first, when you realize that God is with you at all times and wherever you go, it can sustain you when you experience those, why is this happening to me type times. Presence. Without a healthy understanding of God's presence in the present, we'll never have a out healthy outlook for the future. So I want to talk for a few moments this morning on just living, living with an awareness of his presence. And to do so, I think it requires us to remember a few things. First of all, it requires us to remember that when we feel discouraged, God is with us and on our side. When you feel discouraged, God is with you and on your side. You know, life is full of discouragement, isn't it? It comes in various forms. It can sneak up on you subtly, or it can hit you all of a sudden, totally out of the blue. I've discovered discouragement in life is not optional or unavoidable, but how I handle it is. Discouragement you're not careful can cloud your perspective and lead you to have a critical spirit perspective perspective is huge I heard a retired colonel general uh, army general tell the following story that uh, several several years ago there was a commanding officer and a young soldier who were traveling through the Swiss Alps and when they boarded the train, the train was totally full. The only two seats that were available were in a little quad compartment where an elderly lady and what appeared to be her granddaughter sitting in the two out of the four seats. The commanding officer went and said, may we sit here? And they did, and they sat down. Two seats were facing the other two seats. And the, the commanding officer and the young soldier sat. Pretty soon, the young soldier and that young girl started having some nonverbal communication. 
They were making eye contact with each other. And then all of a sudden, the train tunneled through the Swiss Alps, and it got pitch black in the cabin of that train. And in the darkness of that moment, you heard the loud smack of a kiss and the loud smack of a slap. And when the train came out and the light became uh, brilliant, everybody was sitting there wide-eyed looking. And that elderly lady said, I can't believe that young soldier was bold enough to kiss my granddaughter, but I'm sure am glad she slapped him. The commanding officer said, man, I, I didn't think he had it in him, but boy, I wish he wouldn't have missed and slapped me instead. The girl was thinking, wow, that was really good, but I'm so embarrassed that my grandmother reached over and slapped him. And it was only the young soldier who sat there and thought, life is pretty good. When can a guy kiss a girl and slap his boss at the same time? It's perspective. Perspective is huge. Psalm 116, 8 and 9 says, The Lord saved me from death. He stopped my tears. He kept me from defeat. And so watch this. I walk in the presence of the Lord in the word of the living. Can I challenge you? I pray that you would allow the presence of the Lord to shape your perspective more than social media. I pray that you would allow the presence of the Lord to shape your perspective more than your favorite news broadcast. Sometimes in life when we're feeling discouraged, we got to have a perspective that just says, you know what, I know that God is with me and he's on my side. So I will walk in the presence of the Lord. Awareness of his presence also requires us to know this, that when we feel afraid... When we feel afraid that God is as close as the mention of his name. God is as close as the mention of his name. Is it just me or is there a lot of free-floating anxiety floating around in culture today? This sense of uneasiness, the sense of fear. You know, um, anxiety, when not dealt with biblically, can really overtake you and cause you to do things, say things, and be someone you were never intended to be. I think about that when it comes to the story of David. David was a young leader in, in training, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Spirit of the Lord, uh, uh, Samuel, anointed him to be the next king of Israel, and it was a very spiritual moment when that selection process took place, yet Saul was still on the throne. And instead of living with the reality that God had chosen him, David gave in to some serious anxiety. You can read about it in 1 Samuel chapter 27, but uh, one of the first things that David did because he wasn't dealing with anxiety appropriately was that he thought to himself more than he should. 1 Samuel chapter 27 verse 1 said, David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. The problem that happened with David was he was thinking to himself too much. 
You see, when you're not careful, your minds and your thoughts can lead you away from the certainty of God's promises. That's why your pastors put such a high priority on Scripture when they're teaching and when they're preaching, because there's nothing better to anchor your emotions and protect your thinking like the Word of God. You think about it. Some people want to listen to themselves when they go through difficult times. Can I tell you, yourself will lie to you at times. But God's word will never lie to you. The other thing that happens when we get overtaken with anxiety and don't deal with it biblically, it forfeits our ability to make good decisions. First Samuel 27, verse 1, but David kept thinking to himself, someday Saul is going to get me. Then he says this, watch, the best thing I can do is escape to the Philistines. And I want to say, no, David, that's not the best thing you can do. Why would you want to run right to the enemy? It's not the best thing you can do. Why escape one enemy, your fear, and run right into another enemy, the Philistines, the very people that God's called you to deliver your people out of? Oh, I get it. Problems look large. Relationships seems unresolvable. People collapse in fear, and then they run to a worse situation than what they're in right now. I think the other thing that happens when we get overtaken with anxiety and we don't deal with it in a biblical perspective or including the presence of the Lord in our lives is that it can create instability for others around you. Verse 3, David and his men and their families settled there with Achish at Gath. David brought his two wives along with him. All of a sudden... (laughs) David's problems with anxiety got imposed on his family. You see, every kick has a kickback. Every action has a reaction. And I've discovered at times you can either get mad, bitter, callous at God, or you can trust God. And I would submit to you, it's far more redemptive to trust God because he's as close as the mention of his name. I'm a third generation Pentecostal preacher's kid. I was born and raised in the church. I I cut my teeth in the back of church pews. My mom and dad pastored in Adrian, Michigan. And uh, man, many Sunday nights, back when we had Sunday nights, many Sunday nights I was left sleeping in the pew. Mom thought dad was going to take me home. Dad thought mom was going to take me home. (laughs) Can I tell you, you can sing all you want, raise a hallelujah, raise a hallelujah, but when the lights are out and you're the only one in a sanctuary, that's a spooky place to wake up, I'm just telling you. I love the church. I knew which Sunday school teachers served the best snacks, and so if the altar service got going a little too long, I'd go find that supply closet, and I would chow down on all of those animal crackers. Love the church. When I was nine years old, my dad died suddenly of a massive heart attack. I was nine, my brother was 15, my sister was 18. And my mom at the age of 40 was instantly confronted with the reality, I'm a widow, I'm a single mom, and oh God, what am I gonna do? I could go on and tell you that story, but I can tell you this, She chose not to make decisions that would have a negative 
impact on her kids, but that would set her kids up to discover God's destiny for their lives. And I don't want to just tell that story, but I would like to invite my 90-year-old mom to come to this stage and tell you a little bit about how she was able to trust God. <laughs> hey, happy Mother's Day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What a privilege to be here today. I can't say I'm not nervous, <laughs> but that's good, isn't it? Doug, I'll try not to be too long, okay. but you know what happens when you get older, your stories get longer. <laughs> but I, I shall never forget. Things were going great. It was wonderful. We had just purchased 50 acres to build. We had been through four, five major building programs. And many were being brought into the kingdom of God. I call it our KP duty, kingdom purpose, right? Kingdom purpose. We got up on a cold February 2nd, Wednesday morning, and my husband had a massive heart attack and died in my arms. And it was one of those, what do I do? Well, being a pastor's wife, Brenda, I smiled, I tried to say the right things, we made it through the service where 2,000 people gathered for his memorial from the area. And everything was going well. Six weeks later, I went to the mailbox and there was a letter from a young couple in New York that he had married the last wedding that he had had. And out of that envelope fell a picture of my husband. And it was one of those pictures that their eyes just seemed to follow you. And as I walked into the house, it was two hours before school was out. I fell to my knees and I sobbed and I sobbed and I sobbed. I didn't question God. I just sobbed and sobbed until there was nothing left. And suddenly, suddenly, there was a stillness, there was a quiet. It was though God had turned off all speakers. And in that presence, there was the Holy Spirit. And it was, he was speaking to me, and he said in a quiet, gentle voice, Audrey, my name, he mentioned my name. And as I sat there, knelt there, I should say. He said, very simply, I don't expect you to understand what I've done, but will you trust me? I jumped up. I said, of course. Who do I have but you, God? I trust you. I trust you. And then he spoke to me, an old hymn of the church, and there were four words in that hymn that came to me forcibly from the Holy Spirit. Trust, take, rest, and know. And I looked that hymn up, and it said, 
tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, trust in me, Audrey, just to take me at my word, not what you're going through, my word, just to take my word. Then he said, just to rest upon my promise and just to know, thus saith the Lord. And in that moment, that peace, that presence of the Holy Spirit, I thought I had known the presence of the Holy Spirit, but in that moment, I recognized that the most important thing for me at that time was to be still and know that he is God. Yeah. My husband loved me. He loved me dearly. But he couldn't say to me, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But in that moment, I found and was aware and recognized the one so for all these 50-some years, he has walked beside me every step of the way. Awesome. Awesome. Here. Hey, here you go. Three children, seven grandchildren, 14 great-grandchildren, all serving Jesus today. I'm telling you, he is as close as the mention of his name. I can't promise you that you're not going to experience free-floating anxiety in life, but you don't have to be overcome by it. You can confront it with the Word of God. You can confront it by being aware of the presence of the Lord when you're going through that. Presence. There's a third thing about being aware of the presence of the Lord, and that's this. When you're tempted, God, the Holy Spirit, is your coach. When you're tempted, God, the Holy Spirit, is your coach. Scripture tells us that we're all going to face temptation, right? 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation has overtaken you except what's common to mankind, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he'll also provide a way out so that you can endure it. You're not alone in your temptations. In fact, as you know, Christ himself was also tempted. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to empathize with our weakness, but, watch this, we have one who's been tempted in every way just as we are, yet without sin. So I think, once again, it's important to understand that although we'll never escape in this life being tempted... We can overcome those temptations, and God, the Holy Spirit, becomes our personal coach. Now, this is a Pentecostal church. You believe in the work and the person of the Holy Spirit, uh, but I want to remind you as it relates to presence. I want to remind you about the Holy Spirit. First of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it to be debated. He's not a ghost to be feared. He is the third member of the Godhead that when you said yes to Christ, he takes residency in your life. And our relationship with him is vital for Christian living. 
I could talk to you a little bit about how the Holy Spirit can protect you from you when you go through difficult times. I could talk to you about how the Holy Spirit can give you a sense of contentment for where you're at, even if where you're at is not ideal. This morning, I want to remind you that it's the person of the Holy Spirit, not an it, not a ghost, the person of the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Godhead who brings intimacy with God like you've never experienced before. It's the person of the Holy Spirit that brings a sense of intimacy with God, brings you into the awareness of his presence. Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. The message translation captures it this way. The amazing grace of the master Jesus Christ, the extravagant love of God, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. It's presence. I'm telling you, presence is a huge, huge deal. And having the ability to know that God never has to go anywhere to be there because he's already right there. Presence. I suspect I discovered the power of presence uh, through one of my grandchildren, my oldest grandson, Jackson. Let me ask, are there any grandparents in the house? Can I see your hand? If you're a grandparent, wave your hand. Isn't grandparenting wonderful? I love it. I have discovered the reason why grandparents and grandkids get along so well. We have the same common enemy, their parents. true and my wife is watching online today and she'll give a thumbs up emoji in that screen right there Gail and I have seven grandchildren ages nine to three and we're loving it a few years ago Jackson who's the oldest grandson he and I decided it was okay for him to have the, his first overnighter at Papa's house without his parents now, it took a lot of convincing of his mom. In fact, we tag-teamed together and finally convinced her that this was going to be okay. And, and uh, she relented to that. And I'll never forget, I'll never forget. I drove over to pick him up, and when I got there, he was standing in the doorway. He had his Spider-Man backpack all filled with stuff. He had Paw Patrol cartoon videos and DVDs. He had some games. He had his jammies in there. And when I pulled into the driveway, he said, Papa, Papa. I said, Jackson, you ready to come to Papa's house? He said, yes. And so I went up and got him. I took his hand. We started to walk. And then his mom, my firstborn, who I thought I raised better than that. <clears throat> Cleared her throat, <clears throat> dad, dad. I said, yeah. And she handed me a three by five card <laughs> with a set of six very specific instructions. <laughs> I started reading these instructions. I got down to instruction number three, dad, comma. After 6 p.m., please make sure you put two parts water, one part apple juice in his sippy cup. I'm thinking, first of all, we don't do mixed drinks at Papa's house. We're 100% burgers at Papa's house. Come on, can I get a witness? 
Two parts one. Yeah, I got it, babe. We got in the truck. I tore that sucker up. I said, come on, Jackson. We're going to Papa's house, and we're going to have fun. And we did. We did. We played hide-and-go-seek. We played wiffle ball. We watched Paw Patrol cartoon. It was awesome. Things were going great. He got his bath. He got his jammies on. And just about the time that he was to retire, a southwest Missouri storm whipped up. I mean, a doozy of a storm. Loud thunder, flashing lightning. And I could tell Jackson was feeling a little anxious. I said, little buddy, you want to sleep in Papa's room? He said, yeah, yeah, I do. So I made him a sleeping area just down on my side of the bed there, a few blankets and some pillows. And I said, now lay down, little buddy. He'd lay down. Boom, a crack of thunder would hit. He would jump up. I said, little buddy, you're okay. He'd lay down, flash of lightning. He'd jump up. This happened four times. I couldn't convince him that storm on the outside wouldn't hurt him on the inside. And I said, just lay down. And then about the fifth time he jumped up, I, I said something. Have you ever just said something that comes out, you can't really reel it back in. It just, it just came out, and he, I could tell he was scared, and I wanted him to not be scared, and he jumped up. I looked at him. I said, now, Jackson, you don't have to be afraid of thunder. I, I mean, thunder is really nothing more than just God moving his furniture up in heaven. <laughs> don't judge me, Grandma. Don't judge me. You would have put Robitussin in that sippy cup, so don't judge me. Don't judge me. He said, oh, okay. Now, I know what I said doesn't make any theological sense, doesn't make any meteorological sense. I just wanted him to go to sleep. He laid down. Next crack of thunder, he didn't jump up. I'm like, cool. I'll let his kid's pastor work on his theology. I just want him to go to sleep. So he laid down. I rolled over. And um, just as I was about to fall asleep, a loud reverberating thunder hit. Come on, you, grandparents, you know we have an extra sense. <laughs> and while I'm laying like this, I could feel a set of eyes just looking at me. <laughs> and when I rolled over, sure enough, there was Jackson. He wasn't standing all the way up. He was just looking above the mattress. <laughs> just looking above the mattress, but his eyes were huge. And I rolled over, and just before I could say anything to him, he says, Papa, do you think that I could lay with you till God quits moving his furniture? <laughs> I said, you bet, little buddy. So I picked him up, and I plopped him down in bed with me, and for about the next 30 seconds, he was out, just out. You see, I couldn't convince Jackson that the storm on the outside wouldn't hurt him on the inside. But boy, as long as he was in close proximity to Papa. He had a sense of security that would allow him to rest comfortably even though there was a storm going on. Come on, friends, can I tell you sometimes what you need most is just the awareness of the presence of the Lord, that he is as close as the mention of his name, that the name of the Lord is a strong tower where the righteous can run and are saved, where the righteous right hand of the Lord will sustain you and strengthen you. Sometimes things happen in life, you can't explain it. You don't understand. There's not an answer to it. But there's an incredible manifestation presence of God to those who are Christ 
followers. And in the moment that you can't explain it, you don't understand it, it's overcoming your emotions, and you feel tempted to want to quit or walk away from the faith, you have a personal coach in the person of the Holy Spirit that will bring to your mind scriptures that will anchor your emotions and protect your thinking. Awareness of his presence doesn't just come because you're in a, in a worship setting. You can have it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The presence. It's a final thing about the presence of the Lord that I'd leave with you this morning, and that's this. When you feel lonely, God is an ever-present help. When you feel lonely, God, God is an ever-present help. Now, whether you're in person or watching online, if you woke up feeling lonely, this morning I think God has something to say to you and he would say this I know exactly how you feel you say Pastor Doug how can you say that well I say that because Jesus who was both God and man so Jesus being human understands you Jesus being divine can sustain you the humanity of Christ helps him to understand how you feel. The divinity of Christ helps him to come in and convince you he can sustain you. You know, loneliness is not new. It'll hit all of us sooner or later. Friends, family alike move away, get separated. We live in impersonable suburb, impersonal suburbs. Our digital activity is sort of replaced one-on-one -on -one conversations. People are lonely, lonely, or people are just kind of mobile. Loneliness is unavoidable. But a big takeaway thought that I'd like you to have today is this. We can take great comfort even in our loneliness of knowing that we're never alone. You're never alone. Because God is an ever-present help in time of trouble. I'm going to ask Drew and the worship team to come back if they would. You say, Doug Clay, how do I, how do I deal with loneliness? Well, first of all, it starts with God. It starts with God. You see, until God is at home in your heart, you're going to always feel incomplete. And that incompleteness will lead to loneliness. It's probably why Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, at my first defense, watch this, no one came to my support. Everybody deserted me. May it not be held against them. Verse 17, but the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. God stood at my side and gave me strength. Can I tell you, that is more than just a nice phrase that, show up on, that shows up on a Hallmark sympathy card. That is a reality of the nature of God, that he will stand with you and be your strength. I discovered that uh, pretty vividly one year ago. Super Bowl Sunday night last year, I had a stroke, a stroke of the medulla. I got up in the middle of the night and took a step and nothing on the right side worked. I was totally numb from here to here. 
And um, sure enough, when I went into the emergency room, they did a strike, a stroke right up. My feeling came back, and I'm thankful today that I didn't have any speech or any occupational um, consequences. It was my balance that got impacted the most. Have no idea. Don't smoke, don't drink, didn't have any of the high six risk factors that happened, but out of the blue, I'm now a stroke victim and dealing with this reality of stroke. I was committed. I was committed to therapy. I was committed to rehab. And, and boy, I was, I wanted to overcome this. I wanted to achieve. I want to get back. I, I just felt like life's not done yet. I'm going to keep going. After about six weeks of therapy, my first ministry assignment was to speak an ordination at district council in Southern Idaho. I was also to chair the business meeting at which they were electing a new superintendent. First time, first time in six weeks. And uh, as I was driving to the airport, I got hit <laughs> with some free-floating anxiety. God, what's gonna happen? What if I'm in a high altitude and I stroke out again? Or what, what if I can't focus on, on my message? What if my balance wigs me out and I trip? What, what's gonna, and I, start, I started talking myself into a panic. And I'll never forget, I was, uh, I was driving. I was driving to the airport. And I had Sirius XFM 63 on and I started hearing this song about raising a hallelujah singing a little louder. And I've heard that song, I've sung that song, but all of a sudden, I leaned into that song. In the middle of a mystery, I'm gonna sing a little louder. In the middle of my unbelief, I'm gonna sing a little louder. And I don't know if your theology will accept this, but I just started doing what that song sang. I was singing a little louder, I was singing a little louder. In fact, when I went to get my ticket to go into the parking at the hotel, this guy was looking at me because I was in the presence of my enemy. I was so off key. But there was something spiritually taking place in the cab of my truck that as I was singing a little louder, the presence of the Lord was coming in and sort of diminishing my anxiety and raising my awareness of his presence. Didn't take away the reality. <laughs> Had a stroke first time out. Will I be able to make it? Can I fall? All of those realities were there. But can I tell you, it started with God moment that I was feeling, wow, can I do this? Can I not do this? And I cranked up, raise a hallelujah. The presence of the Lord became clear. And I just want to challenge you. It starts with God. And I would to say something else because I'm talking to a church today. Getting involved in church and being involved in the life of a church can also help you deal with fear. You don't believe me? Ask my mom. But if you ask her, you better be around for about a half hour because she'll tell you the whole story. To this day, she's still actively involved at Bethany Assembly of God, Adrian, Michigan. I had a big fundraising opportunity here a couple weeks ago, and I wanted her to kind of share her story. I was going to use it to raise some money. I said, Mom, can you make this? I can't do it today, honey. I'm doing a cleaning project at the church, so you're just going to have to wait. I, gotta, I was going to raise millions of dollars, and she was going to go clean the church before Easter Sunday at Bethany Assembly. 
I didn't talk her out of that because I've watched her involvement at church. Be spiritually, physically, mentally therapeutic. I'm just telling you, you when you feel lonely, God's an ever-present help, not only through like a worship in a truck, but through involvement in a church. It could be therapeutic for some of you just to take a day and go pack some boxes at City Serve and be in that environment and know those boxes are going to go and touch people. I promise you, that's how God makes his ever-present help known in your life. Awareness. There is a final quote I want to leave with you. It's from Charles Ryrie. He says, and I quote, a full knowledge of God is both factual and personal. To know facts about a person without knowing the person is limiting. To know a person without knowing the facts about that one is shallow. God has revealed many facts about himself, all of which are important in making our personal relationship close, intelligent, and useful. Had he only revealed facts without making it possible to know him personally, such factual knowledge would have little, certainly not, eternal usefulness. It's both and. It's not only knowing the fact that God is omnipresent, it's experiencing the omnipresence of the Lord when you need him in your life. Awareness of his presence. Hey, let's pray. And if you're watching online right now, I don't want you to toggle away. I really want you to lean into this because I believe, I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. God, I want to thank you today for this church, these people, and your word. Thank you that your word still has 21st century relevance to us today. That your scripture that's alive, your scriptures that are transformational, they're not just historical, they produce life change, are applicable today. So Lord, today I pray for two groups of people in this service, whether in person or online. I pray for those who've never made a commitment to you personally, that today would be the day that they would recognize that you love them and desire to have an intimate friendship with them and become their personal coach in times of temptation and loneliness. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, before we bring this service to a close, I want to ask, if you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Doug, would you include me in your final prayer? I know a lot of factual stuff about God. I even know some of the songs the church sings. I know some of the, the, the theological concepts that they embrace. But if you're honest today, you've never made a personal commitment to Christ. You've never crossed the line for living from yourself to letting God live through you. Maybe you're here today and you don't live with the full confidence that if you were to die today, you would spend eternity in heaven. Man, I can't imagine doing life without having the confidence that I belong to God and that God belongs to me. 
I am not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna prolong or manipulate this moment, but I do feel very strong if you're here and you'd say, Pastor Clay, would you include me in your final prayer? I don't live with the full confidence, the full assurance that I'm a child of God. I wanna pray for you. So while everybody else has their heads bowed and their eyes closed, if that describes you, would you just raise your hand and look at me? Because I want to include you in my final prayer. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. Someone else, you'd say, Pastor Clay, please include me. Yeah, thank you. God bless you. Please include me in your final prayer. God bless you. I, I want to know that I know that I know. If you're watching online and you'd like somebody to pray, just would you send a thumbs up emoji or just some sort of indication that describes you. You don't have to live in life. You don't have to steward the events both that you're in control of and those that you're not in control of in life. On your own, God wants to have a relationship with you. Is there anyone else? You just make eye contact with me and you'd raise your hand. I want to make sure I connect with you. Yeah, cool. I see you in the balcony. God bless you. Here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to lead us in a prayer. But I would like you as a church, GR Grand Rapids First, to, to pray this prayer with me. It's a prayer that many of us have prayed before, but today, today, it's for several people who said, you know what? I want to know that I know, not only am I forgiven, but I've been adopted into God's forever family. So Grand Rapids First, would you do this? Would you pray this prayer with me out loud? Lord Jesus, I do believe that you're the way the truth and the life and you came from heaven to earth to die for my sins I am a sinner I need a savior please come into my life forgive me of my sins and establish yourself as my savior and my Lord so with my mouth I confess and in my heart I believe that you are the way, the truth, and the life. I accept your free gift of eternal life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, congratulations, 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 congratulations. Yeah, let's put our hands together. Absolutely. Hallelujah. You know, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, this church wants to journey with you. In fact, there's going to be a QR code on the screen or uh, a number on the screen. If you would just text the word forgiven, just text the word forgiven to that number. This church wants to come along with you and not only celebrate the fact that you prayed to accept Christ, but they want to journey with you to understand what it means to live being totally aware of his presence. Now, finally, I would love to pray. I told you there were two groups of people. For those of you who love God, you're all in. You, you volunteer. You're, you're just all in. But perhaps you're journeying through some life stuff that was never on your radar, never on your agenda, and it's becoming both emotionally and spiritually draining to you. It's created fear. That fear has kept you up at night. That fear preoccupies your thinking. When you wake up, you're, you're thinking about that. And, and you just need a healthy 
awareness of the presence of Jesus. If that describes you, I wanna pray for you. Lord Jesus, thank you for this wonderful, wonderful community of believers where every week they're taught the word of God to how to live out their life. Every day of the week, they're doing something to advance your kingdom here on earth. But God, I get it. In this world, there are the things that are in our control and out of our control that come against us. And the enemy really likes to use that to rob us of our joy, to derail us from our purpose, and to really bring defeat. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, I pray that this week, starting right now, we would become aware of the omnipresence of God, the God that doesn't have to go anywhere to be there because he's already there. Wrap your loving arms around your people, I pray, in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. And amen. God bless you.